Hello, Women on Women viewers. This is Nicole popping in just to let you know that this episode deals with some content such as transphobia, homophobia, and eating disorders. If you are sensitive to those topics, as they are tough topics, you might want to shy away from this episode, and if not, you can proceed with caution. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Nicole Patton. And I'm Nicole Patton. And this is Women on Women. The podcast where we, women, talk about women. And today's woman is actually a few women. Known as the Babys- Babysitter's Club. My pop socket ripped off for a second. Oh, I'm so sorry. So, um, yeah. So, I, I decided to talk about the Babysitter's Club today because there is, like, one specific thing about it that has been on my mind quite a lot specifically about the new babysitters club reboot so um nicole do you know anything about the babysitters club yeah so i actually i don't know a lot about the babysitters club i never read the books as a kid i never watched the new reboot tv show that they did i've never seen the movies i think there's movies right Mm -hmm. there's movies yeah um, to be honest, my only knowledge of the Babysitter Club is that I know that you're obsessed with it. I, I really am. <laughs> um, yeah, so a little, about, a little bit about my experience with the Babysitter's Club is that um, I started reading the books when I was like, I think I was around 10 years old. Um, they were written in the 80s through like, I think they stopped making them in 2000. So they went on for quite a while. They're written by Anne M. Martin, and um, there's over a hundred in the actual series, and then there's like little spin-offs for the series as well. And it follows these eight girls, and they have a babysitters club where they own and operate a business that focuses on babysitting children in their neighborhood in Connecticut. Yeah, so it's a very simple premises. Um, There's not a whole lot that you need to know about the series to kind of get it. So there's the book series, and then in the 1980s, they came out with an original TV show, which was only a few episodes and had Zach Braff in it. Fun fact. I know. Oh, Zach Braff. (laughs) I like the face you made. That's the exact way I feel about Zach Braff, too. Um, And then they did a movie with Sissy SpaceX's daughter and Rachel Lee Cook. I know. I didn't even know Sissy Spacek. Sissy Spacek had kids. I, me neither. I didn't even know she had. I bet they're beautiful. Oh, I bet they're beautiful, beautiful children. They're beautiful children. Oh my god. They're very gorgeous. But um, yeah. So they did the 1990s movie, and then more recently, they just came out with a new Netflix series, and it's modernized, so it follows the girls through present day. Um, which is, it's very interesting because the series is extremely 80s, like everything about it is very 80s based, so trying to modernize it is a very difficult thing to do, and I think they did a really good job with it, honestly. I really like the reboot, however, I know a lot of people don't feel the same, especially with the decisions they've made to modernize, so... One of the main clapbacks that has happened ever since the show came out is that the show focuses on a lot of social issues because it's modern. And so because of that, 
a lot of people, primarily conservative writers, have taken a lot of issues to the changes made in the series. So I just wanted to talk about that today and talk about um, the history behind the Babysitter's Club and what led to these issues being discussed in it. Yes, I'm very excited. Thank you. (laughs) To expand my knowledge, I'm very excited. (laughs) Good. Mostly what I'll be taking from is this article from The Federalist, which was written by Alicia Krauss, who is a conservative mommy blogger who wrote this article called Netflix Slips Transgender Propaganda into Babysitter's Club Targeted at Tweens. Interesting, interesting. First of all, I like that she's a conservative a blogger. Is that what it was? Yeah, or she's a mommy blogger. A mommy blogger. I'm obsessed I with her. I always love those. I <laughs> Me always too. Love those. And um, yeah, I just I I just wanted to discuss this article because um, I remember when the series came out. I I watched the reboot all in one sitting. And I really loved it. As a Babysitter's Club fan, it's probably my favorite adaptation of the books, just because I think they handled it in such a good way and they modernized it really well, which would is, is so hard to do, I feel. But um, it did not have the same reception from everyone, especially Miss Alicia Krauss. Alicia. Alicia. Um, so I just want to read you this opening paragraph. I really love it. Betrayal, internet shaming, eating disorders, menstruation sculptures, feminism, gay dads, divorce families, transgender issues, and Tinder. Nope, this isn't the second season of Netflix, The Politician. It's season one of the kid-friendly show, The Babysitter's Club. Oh my, I mean, that just sounds like real life. That doesn't even sound like a TV show. That sounds like real life. I don't know what this Miss Alicia Cross thing (laughs) has got going on in her life, but... I'm not quite sure either. It sounds, like, pretty boring. Um, I also like that she compares it to the Ryan Murphy show, The Politician. I'm here for Ryan Murphy slander at all costs. (laughs) So, basically, she talks... And she begins saying that she grew up with the Babysitter's Club and she loved it as a child. And it taught her a lot of really good values about friendship and um, leadership. And so she was looking through Netflix one day and she stumbled across the Babysitter's Club and she was super excited. Um, She got even more excited when she saw that it was rated TVG. And then, sure enough, when she went on to her kid's profile, it was on there, too. So, she was like, I love this show. Or, not I love the show. I love this series as a kid. Maybe my kids will love this series. So, she gathers her kids all around, four under the age of 11. And she was like, I read these books as a kid, and I love them. And now, I, I want you to experience it. And then we get into her review of the show. In addition to the men are evil and women are systemically oppressed undertones during the opening scenes, I was aghast when Christy speculated that Stacy probably has an eating disorder. The club founder displayed horrible bratty behavior towards her mom, and Claudia showed off her art of a menstruation sculpture. All of that was on display in the first episode. Not the first episode. I know. Actually, I was just hoping to keep the sculpture for the finale. No, me too. And also, like, I like that she brings that up because it's so brief. 
Like, um, it's just in a scene. Claudia, she's one of the main characters. She's an artist, and mm -hmm. so she's always making a bunch of wacky stuff. And she makes this one sculpture, and one of the characters is like, oh, that's cool. What, what's it about? And she looks at them and goes, menstruation. And then the scene cuts. Amazing. So that's, like, the only mention of it. It's not like it's a vagina or anything. It's just her saying the word menstruation. I mean, Alicia's really going into the deets. Oh, she <laughs> is. And then she talks about, there's the scene in which Marianne, one of the babysitters, is supposed to take care of this child that they've been assigned to take care of. And um, she goes over to the child's house and she, the child named Bailey, I don't know why I made that so weird. <laughs> Bailey, the child that she's babysitting, spills all over the dress that she's wearing. So Marianne goes into her dresser and sees, like, a bunch of boys' clothes. And then Bailey's like, oh, those are my old clothes. And then Marianne kind of connects the dots and she's like, oh, okay. And then later in the episode, she has to take Bailey to the hospital because Bailey has, like, a medical emergency. And in it, um, a few of the doctors start being like, well, we need to take his tests and do all of his blood scores. Marianne takes the doctors aside and is like, hey, Bailey is a girl. Can you please refer to Bailey as a girl? And that's it. That's the scene. She tears this up. <laughs> she hates it. And this is the oh thing gosh. that I've seen everybody comment on. The Daily Mail made a video about this. Oh, I didn't even know the Daily Mail was making videos. Oh, they are. That's what Ben Shapiro works for. Ben Shapiro works for the Daily Mail? Uh, he sure did. Oh my god. Or Daily Wire? Oh, might be Daily Wire. Oh, it might be Daily Wire. I thought Daily Mail is like that one Snapchat news article thing that like it's always like Look at this uh, celebrity in their bikini. That's all. That's all they write. It's news been articles. around for a while. Uh, I think it's. Uh, I'm, I'm possibly it's been around since. It's just like a news source. I did not even know they made videos. Yeah, I'm definitely thinking of the Daily Wire though. That's oh, what I meant. Ben Shapiro uh -huh. works for the Daily Wire, not Daily Mail. Daily Wire is like a conservative. I want to say like talk show, if you can even call it that. Anyway. He's made a video on that. I've seen, like, probably three videos from Republican commentators just about this one scene, <laughs> and they all have to say the same thing. And, like, all of it is just, like, why would you let your kids transition? And I'm like, this has no relevance to the show whatsoever. Um, anyway, go, going back to Alicia, my girl. She says, don't misread me here. I'm not a religious fundament uh, fundamentalist fanatic. Our girls watched The Goonies with my husband the other day. They listened to the Kids Bop Top 40s. Oh, because Kids Bop, Kids Bop Top 40s is super, like, stretching religion there. She's, she's, going, <laughs> she's going crazy, yeah. dude. I don't make them wear skirts down to their ankles or ban them from hanging out with people if we don't agree with. What I want, however, is for parents to be aware of how skillfully this stuff is being presented to our children in the form of entertainment. Later in the season, there's a broken and confused mom on Tinder, a gathering of witches, a 12-year-old talking about painting nudes, and a reference to The Handmaid's Tale. I mean, The Handmaid's Tale is a very good TV show. I it's just all... finished season... No, I didn't even finish season four. I'm waiting for the next episode to come out, and I need it. 
I need it so bad. <laughs> right? So, like, uh, let the girls talk about The Handmaid's It's too. a good show. Yeah, and also with the painting nudes, it's like one of the characters is literally an artist. Oh, Fun fact, you, you paint nudes, you paint nudes when, when you're an, an artist. artist. <laughs> it happens. And this is my favorite tidbit for so many reasons. It's not just the message, but often the messengers. My girls don't care if Phil Rosenthal from Somebody Feed Phil is gay or trans or a feminist. They just enjoy watching him make funny faces as he tries delicious and weird foods from all around the world. Yet my girls pay attention when they see big girls and cool kids spewing leftist talking points that will inevitably influence their core beliefs. So I wonder if, like, her kids are gonna, like, grow up to be... have completely different views as her... And she's going to be like, it's all because of the Netflix Breakfast Club show. <laughs> I hope she, she sues them for changing... For <laughs> infiltrating her kids' minds. Oh my god. But I like that that segment because it's like, why... So when a grown, a grown man with his own show is gay or trans or a feminist and talks about it, like, that's fine. It's okay for their that's kids okay. to watch. But when babysitters clubs when actual children who are girls talk about it no 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 No. that's bad that's really bad i wonder why that is i wonder why that is i think like alicia's she's got some internalized misogyny and deep-rooted anger i feel like our alicia our alicia alicia no i think our alicia has it no she grew up with the babysitters club that's insane it looks like she's got some deep root problems she gotta work through god damn i know it's really (laughs) sad and then she goes to they're far too young to be watching 12 year olds kissing at camp expertly wearing blue glitter liner or back talking their parents on tv Earlier in this article, she mentioned that she loved the Babysitter's Club growing up. Um, I'll get to that later, (laughs) because I think that's really ironic concerning the fact that she's brought up that she has problems with... The artist, or...? With uh, mostly just kissing boys, talking about social issues, um, talking back to their parents, betraying others, and wearing blue glitter liner. Uh, You know what? I'll get to it later. I'll get to it later. And then later, Daily Wire made a video on this, and I read through the comments, and it's very fun. I had a great time. This is one of my favorite comments. It said, screw this show. I'm watching Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, I think this is funny because this is in response of being mad at a queer character on the Babysitter's Club, when Avatar The Last Airbender has, like, a famously queer main character, especially, like, with her own spinoff show, Legend of Korra. Like, she's very canonically queer, and that is well known. Oh my gosh. Who commented this? What's, what's his, what's their name? I, I left it out. I don't want to, I don't want to expose them like that. I I was ready, I was ready to visit a pal. This is the one that made me go, okay. Let's talk about this. It says, As soon as I heard about this show, I was 99% sure that it wasn't going to be anything like the original books and was going to have some sort of modern agenda forced in. Those books from the 90s valued two parent families, hard work, honesty, and persistence. So let's talk about it. <laughs> let's talk about social themes in the original Babysitter's Club books. Mm-hmm. 
because I have seen so many people being like, these are nothing like the original books. These are nothing like my Babysitter's Club. The Babysitter's Club would never talk about anything like this. Mm-hmm. Let's talk. So the first thing that they bring up, that I want to bring up um, out of these social issues, is Wicca. Um, more specifically, witches. I don't know if you paid attention, but earlier Alicia said that there was a gathering of witches mm-hmm. in one of the episodes. This is so brief in the show. Um, Dawn, one of the main characters, is just Wiccan. It's just her religion. It's not as if she's possessing people or she's hailing Satan. It is literally just her gathering with people of her religion. And it's presented in a way that's, like, somewhat educational to what Wiccan as a religion actually is. Uh Um, If she was just, like, going to church and was a practicing Christian or Catholic, I don't think it would have the same reaction. No, it would not. There would be no backlash. There would be none! It's just practicing your religion. It is! It's the same thing as going to, like, church every Sunday. Yeah, and it's not like she's for, like... She brings Marianne to one of the meetings, and Marianne's just, like, standing there. She's just watching. Mm-hmm. It's not like she's trying to be like, Marianne, you have to be a witch. She's Dang. just, like, here. And then the next one I want to mention is eating disorders. And this is brought up a lot in Alicia's article because she's like, how dare that Christy suspect that Stacy has an eating disorder? Because Stacy in the in the series actually has diabetes. Mm -hmm. And so in a lot of the scenes before she reveals to the rest of the club that she has diabetes, she's not like eating sweets, obviously. And Christy's like, Hey, should we be concerned about her? And Alicia's like, why would I ever let my kids do this? The original Babysitter's Club would never talk about this. But the original Babysitter's Club literally does talk about this. Talks about eating disorders? They do. There's a book called Jesse and the Awful Secret. Which is focused around Jessie, who's a ballet dancer. She's one of the main characters as well. And she is teaching this ballet class when she notices that one of her students is struggling with an eating disorder. And the book takes the time to, like, tell you what you should do if you think someone is struggling with that and how to acknowledge that. Um, In fact, the author's note from Anna Martin at the end of the book says, One of the most important things to remember when you start a diet is to start a healthy one. The first thing you should do is talk to your parents and then, with your parents, talk to a doctor. Your doctor can help you find a diet that is just right for you, your exercise level, and your lifestyle. If you are concerned about a friend who seems to be taking the diet to the extreme, talk to an adult immediately. A parent, a school nurse, or a guidance counselor. A teacher, anyone that you think can help, because your friend does need help. It's actually, that's nice. That's it's like, really nice. That's really, they should be doing that more. I they know. They should be doing that more. So, yeah, the Babysitter's Club did talk about that, and they handled it very well. Yeah. Oh my god, Alicia, you need to get your facts together. She does! And then they also do it in this one of the spinoff series for the Babysitter's Club in the book, The California Diaries, in mm-hmm. which it, like, dives deep and one of the characters from first perspective talks about it yeah and especially because eating disorders they're not rare like no. they're common and almost like everyone uh, like you know almost everyone knows someone who has like gone through one or experienced that before and like in one shape or another so why is it such a bad thing to talk about i mean 
I feel like it's fine for kids to know and look out for their friends. And... Yeah, because it's not like it's presenting it in a way where it's showing you in graphic detail. It's uh-huh. just being like, hey, if someone has an issue, talk to them about it. Try to help them. Yeah. Which is a good thing to teach kids. Yeah. And then next is um, betrayal, which is also a common theme in the books because the books center around a bunch of middle schoolers. Oh, And betrayal is very common within middle school. Oh, and especially, okay, moving back to this eating disorder thing, I guess I didn't realize this is taking place in middle school. Uh But if it's taking place in middle school, people are going to have eating disorders there. It happens. It happens. And it's normal to talk about. Yeah. Um, the next one is environ- environmentalism. Environmentalism, which isn't really mentioned in any of the articles, but I just thought I'd bring it up because mm-hmm. it's a social issue. But um, one of the main characters, Dawn, is really into environmentalism, and she uses the book to explain this to people. She has an entire book called um, Dawn Saves the Planet, in which she joins her she joins her school's environment club environment activism club and she like educates people on how to be better to the world and then um i have a babysitters club i want to say it's like a biography book basically where it just tells you everything you need to know it's like an index of the babysitters club Mm -hmm. and in it it mentions that she never uses plastic items she has reusable bags you know all this basic stuff that was huge for the 90s and um in the book dawn saves the planet at the end anna martin includes an author's note that actually gives you a list of ways that you can help out the planet i know these girls, these babysitters, they're they're doing the most. They're amazing. They're doing the most. Maybe really? I should start getting into the club. <laughs> I think you should. <laughs> um, the next one is racism. And um, this is a common theme in all of the books. Mm-hmm. Um, this also wasn't mentioned in the articles, but I have a feeling, and this is my own headcanon, that sometime within the next season, they're probably going to bring it up. Bring it up. And I feel like that's important. Yeah, Because it sure. was a really huge part of the books. Um, Claudia, one of the main characters, was Japanese-American. And that was kind of a part of her identity. But she had always lived in Stony Brook, so it wasn't that much of an issue for her. She didn't really experience racism firsthand. And mm-hmm. then Jessie was the first black character in the series. And once she got to Stony Brook... She experienced a lot of racism, and that was a topic in many of her books of her just, like, trying to get through it and dealing with people's terrible remarks towards her. And there's one book afterwards that came out a little while um, after Jessie was a character, and it's called Keep Out Claudia. Mm -hmm. And it's the first book in which Claudia experiences racism. And they go in depth with it, and it's about... The babysitters club and they get assigned a new family to work with and when Marianne and Stacy go over they're all fine mm-hmm. like they're all okay with them going over and babysitting them but when Claudia goes over they all treat her like shit oh and Claudia's God. like why are they being mean to me and then Jesse comes over to babysit for them one day and they kick her out oh my gosh and basically the babysitters club realizes oh wow racism exists 
Mm-hmm. And they use the time to, like, educate on it. And it ends instead of, like, them accepting it. They basically just come to the realization, like, we're not going to babysit for these people anymore. Good because they don't agree with us and they're not good people. Good for them. It's good. good. It's yes. really good. Yes. How many books are there? Are they still making books? Over a hundred. <laughs> Over a hundred. They stopped in 2000, and then there's also the super specials. Um, there's super specials. There's mystery books, which I really like. And there's the Little Sister series, which I hate. <laughs> and they also have, like, the Best Friends Forever series and the California Diaries and just a bunch of have spin-offs. you read all a hundred books no <laughs> no i wish i i had but uh, unfortunately no i don't have that much time on my hands I'm even as a 10 to 12 year old so <laughs> unfortunate i know it's really sad the next one is two parent families mm-hmm. that's a subject that was brought up a bunch Um, about how the original Babysitter's Club respected two-parent families and how it's insane that they have divorced parents when the original Babysitter's Club never really respected two-parent families. In fact, the main characters, Christy, Dawn, and Stacy, all had divorced parents, and then Abby and Marianne had parents that had died and were raised by single parents. That's such a weird thing to, like, write about angrily. Two-parent families? I know! Like, such a why weird... Why do we need to respect that? Like, that's not... Like, two-parent families, that's... Like, divorces have been common... Yeah! Since, like, forever. Yes! <laughs> why is this all of a sudden such a bad thing? I know, and then, um... There we go. While thinking of this, I found this one book... Oh my ...that I just got called Stacy's Choice. It is the 58th... 80s babysitters club book and in it stacy is dealing with the aftermath of her parents divorce Mm -hmm. and i just wanted to read the author's note at the end of it to show you how much they respect two parent families okay I'm, i'm really excited Dear reader, in Stacy's choice, Stacy once again has to make some tough decisions as a result of her parents' divorce. Many people as have asked me why so many members of the Babysitters Club have parents who are divorced. When I began writing this series, I wanted to create characters readers could relate to. I remembered that when I was teaching, nearly half of the kids in my class came from families in which the parents were divorced. And now, so, oh, and so, Christy, Dawn, and now Stacy are divorced kids. I frequently hear from both parents and kids who appreciate finding characters like Stacy in the books. Reading about kids who are facing the same challenges as they do make those challenges easier to face. Right on, whoever writes the Babysitter's books. Anne M. Martin. Anne I M. love Martin. that bitch. Anne M. Martin. Yeah. Sounds like another Anne Martin that we know. But... I know! <laughs> I don't think she wrote the... I don't think she it makes wrote me... it. I wish she did. I wish she did, but... Good for her. Because it is. Don't, like, most marriages end in divorce? Yeah. Like, over 50%. And for most children, that is a source of childhood trauma, is your parents getting a divorce. And having characters that are going through that, too, at the same time you are, is really good. Mm -hmm. Especially in the 1980s and 90s when that was becoming, you know, more acceptable. Dang. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the next one I want to talk to, uh, talk about was menstruation. Yeah, that was brought up a few times. I always love talking about this topic. Yeah, my only note was um, I 
didn't want to find anything in the Babysitter's Club wiki or in my index about it um, because they're 13-year-old girls. Yeah. Um, fun fact, 13-year-old girls have periods. Yeah. They do that sometimes. That it just happens. It happens. It happens. Um, and that's all that I have to say about <laughs> it. Like, the, stop being mad at 13-year-old girls for bringing up menstruation. When it, you literally can't control it. You can't. It just shows up one day, and it, you say fuck, and you're with it for the long haul. Forever. Yeah. <laughs> it's with you for the rest of your life yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Well, not really, but... Most majority of your life. Yeah. Enough. Next was feminism. Mm -hmm. And while a book in the 1980s that was targeted towards children wouldn't be like, yeah, feminist. I think it's safe to say that there are a lot of feminist themes as it is a book that centers around only women mm -hmm. who own their own business and it values on top of everything female friendship and the power that that holds. Amazing. Who wrote the books? Was it Anne M. Martin? Did it, she write all of them or? No. No. Um, Anne M. Martin wrote most of them. Oh. Um, she hired ghostwriters for some of them, mm -hmm. obviously. But I do think, I don't know, I feel like a lot of the ones in which she has author notes are pretty genuine. At least she was like, I need to incorporate this. Mm -hmm. She was a teacher before becoming a writer and she focused specifically with children with um, disabilities and special oh. needs, so she... Did she, like, start the Babysitter's Club, or was that... Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's so, nice. yeah, and that's mostly what she's known for. I Amazing. love her for it. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, the next one is boys and kissing. Boys and kissing. Um, she brought up how she doesn't like that the 12 to 13-year-olds in the show kiss boys well, and that have boyfriends. Well, that happens in real life. Alicia. And that happens in the Babysitter's Club. In fact, I went through my Babysitter's Club index, mm -hmm. and I counted every single time one of the girls had kissed a boy in the series. How many times was it? All right. So out of all of the Babysitter's Club, Mallory and Abby are the only ones who have not kissed anyone. Mm -hmm. So that is two out of nine. Two out of nine. Two out of nine. Christy has kissed a boy twice. Ooh. Claudia has kissed a boy once. Um, Stacy, who was the one who kissed the boy in the TV series, mm -hmm. which is, by the way, based on one of the actual books, oh. one of the first books in the series, which I guess um, our girl, Alicia, what's her name? Alicia. Alicia. Stupid fucking name. Hasn't <laughs> read. Basically, her section for boys and kissing in the Babysitter's Club Index is a page and a half long. Oh, Yep, and um, she has kissed four boys. Cool. And then Marianne was in a long-term relationship throughout the entire series, so it obviously mm -hmm. wasn't like Marianne kissed Logan this many times. It's mm -hmm. pretty obvious she probably kissed him yeah. quite a bit. Um, Don had only kissed a boy once, and so did Jesse. There we go. They kissed the boys. Did That's they all. kiss the girls? No. Ugh. But speaking of which, oh, now we get into the queer stuff. <laughs> yeah. So we'll start with the clip that everyone's losing their shit over. Um, this is Alicia's description of it. Soon after the mom leaves, the tween calls 911 for help when a child runs a severely high temperature. 
When they get to the hospital, the nurse and the doctor refer to Bailey as a boy and ask how he is doing. This is where Marianne asserts herself. Her father rolls in just in time to watch proudly as his 12-year-old daughter scolds the medical duo for misgendering Bailey and making her uncomfortable. She then demands a pink hospital gown because Bailey doesn't want to put on the blue one. Let me put and let me show you how abrasive, how um, absolutely terrible and um, aggressive this is. Okay, I'm Here. excited. Okay, took a while, but we finally found a file for a Bailey Del Vecchio. Is 32 Burnhill Road still the current address? Yeah. Have you been giving him fluids? If he's dehydrated, we'll need to place an IV. Have him change into this. Okay, that Alicia girl. Wait, so who's this main character name? Marianne. Yep. She's she's speaking facts. She's <laughs> she's speaking facts. Right. Yeah. And also that whole like um she didn't scold them. She was just explaining the situation because obviously when the doctors were talking to her, I forget her name, who's in the hospital, mm-hmm. but um, when she's laying in the hospital bed, she is uncomfortable by them. They're making her uncomfortable, and she's also like a little kid. Yeah. She's a little kid. I didn't realize she'd be that young, and then that whole n- gown, she was just like, oh, if you even have another color gown, that'd be nice. Yeah, but that's the thing just... that everyone's like caught up on. They're like, um... If gender doesn't matter, then why did she ask for a blue gown? Why did Marianne demand a blue gown? And it's like, or why did she demand, like, a color that wasn't blue? And it's like, because the kid fucking asked for it. Yeah. Like, nicely. Yeah. (laughs) She didn't demand it. No. Oh, my gosh. And they do have, and everyone's like, they only have one color of hospital gowns. And it's like... I don't know they do especially for children they have patterns and stuff yeah oh my gosh (laughs) anyway so um the fact that people are like this is indoctrinating our kids into becoming transgender is so far-fetched because Bailey doesn't even like go into why she's trans or like how long she's been trans she's Uh just like I'm trans Mm -hmm. and that's it that's the entire introduction to the character and that's all the representation there is Mm -hmm. and with that being said, it's not like even one of the members are trans. Like, if it was that, maybe I'd understand it a little bit more. But it's a character that is in one episode for maybe five minutes. Oh, my god! You know? I don't know. It's insane to me because queer people have always been a huge part of the Babysitter's Club fan base. Uh-huh. It, they have always been a huge target demographic to the Babysitter's Club. And it's not, like, really known why, but... 
for some reason, ever since the creation, queer people, especially children, resonated a lot with the books. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important to mention that not only queer women, but queer boys really enjoyed reading these and really related to these characters. And it's nice to see those characters being in the remake, being more explicitly in the show. Especially since a lot of the characters are somewhat queer quote encoded, a lot of them never really have boyfriends or mm -hmm. express a whole lot of interest in boys when they're there, and um, female friendships, and f most importantly, just being an independent woman is very well respected in the Babysitter's Club universe. And I, I think that's important to why people like it so much and why it helped out a lot of queer kids in their upbringing. Um, a documentary recently came out right after the release of this series called The Claudia Kishi Club, which relates to a lot of people's experiences with the main character, Claudia, who's the artist I was talking about. And a lot of the people in that documentary are queer. And they resonated a lot with Claudia because she didn't have a whole lot of male love interests. She was very independent. She was very outspoken and she was very unique and she wasn't afraid to be who she was. And a lot of kids saw that growing up and were like, I want to be Claudia. I love Claudia. And she was also one of the first like Asian characters mm -hmm. in one of these books. And to be a main character, that was a huge deal yeah, and it resonated with a lot of kids um one of the people who was in this documentary that i want to bring up mm -hmm. a lot is gail galligan who um made the babysitter's club graphic novels which are newer they're still coming out now and they're non-binary i think they might identify as trans but i'm not quite sure Mm -hmm. and um they spoke a lot about how claudia helped out with her identity and that's part of the reason they're still like a huge babysitter's club fan to this day and they're making the graphic novels that kids are finding now and absolutely love and is starting a new generation of babysitter's club fans that's amazing yeah that's and, amazing yeah and Anna and martin love to educate kids and all sorts of people on different people with diverse backgrounds mm -hmm. and who had different beliefs, different upbringings, and different identities. Although the Babysitter's Club books never directly had a queer person in it because it was written in the 80s or 90s, I know for a fact that they absolutely would if it was a more accepting time. And you know how I know this? Did, did our Queen Anne say this? No. Even better, our Queen Anne is a lesbian. <gasps> All of the Babysitter's Club books were written by a queer woman. Oh my god! I love that your jaw just dropped because that was my reaction too. <laughs> no, literally. Yeah. And so with that being said, it's like, why are you trying to like hate on the show for having queer characters and having like a queer base when it was literally written by a queer person who was basing a lot of these characters off of herself and the people that she was around. Oh my gosh. This just makes, like, the Babysitter's Club, like, ten times more better. Right? I know. I know. But yeah, so that's, that's really all I have to say about it is just that the Babysitter's Club has always been woke. It's always been queer. Always been woke. Y'all are just transphobic. Y'all are just transphobic. And you're finding excuses. And with that, 
I would like to end with the passage from the end of Keep Out Claudia, written by Miss Anna Martin. Okay. The members of the Babysitter's Club are a diverse group of kids. They come from different kinds of families and a variety of backgrounds. Each has her own interests and problems, yet the girls all get along well as a group and appreciate each other's differences. The kids they sit down and they sit for are diverse too. Their families come from various ethnic and religious backgrounds. And like the members of the, BS, um, the BSC, the kids come from many different family situations. In addition, the Babysitter's Club have taken care of Rosie Wilder, who is highly gifted, Shay Radowski, who has learning disabilities, Matt Braddock, who is profoundly hearing impaired, and Susan Felder, who has autism. As you can see, a reoccurring theme in the Babysitter's Club books is that of tolerance and acceptance rather than exclusion. It's something the characters feel strongly about, and so do I. Amazing. I love her. That far too. But that's all. Do you have any final thoughts? Final thoughts? Um, final thoughts, I need to look into the baby. <laughs> like, maybe I should watch this TV show. It's fun. It's, it's really fun. fun. I really like it. And they're making a second season? Oh, yeah. Because I remember, I remember reading that they were making, like... Um, a reboot of the Babysitter's Club, and, like, I read that. I was like, oh, Sam's gonna love this. And I remember, like, I don't think I told you about it, because I was like, oh, Sam already knows. But I remember, like, I saw you post on your story when it first came out, and you were like, why did no one tell me they were making a reboot? And I was like, I should have told them. (laughs) (laughs) It, like, came out of nowhere, and I was so... I I was expecting to hate it, because I really don't like any of the other reboots, and I loved every second of it i'm so glad yeah it has alicia silverstone oh mm-hmm. oh nice <laughs> nice All what right. are your, do you have any final thoughts overall alicia maybe you should reread the books maybe you should alicia if you're listening love you alicia love you don't take this the wrong way or don't. maybe you should or i don't know it's just we're just analyzing what you wrote we trust you enough yeah. You didn't mean nothing. All right. Okay. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Women on Women, where we talked about the Babysitter's Club. And next episode, we will be back talking about more women or groups of women. And women on women. Women on the women.